Hi, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for coming out. What a great turnout. We always get panicked at like 5.15 that no one's going to come, so I appreciate everyone showing. Um, Okay, so thank you for coming out tonight to support Penn Center USA and the Emerging Voices Fellowship. As you have heard, my name is Amanda Fletcher, and I'm the program coordinator for Emerging Voices and Penn Center Craft Sessions. I'm also an alum, 2012, so yeehaw to me. I've done it. Thank you. (laughs) Some of you might be familiar with Libby Flores. She has been the face of the program administratively for quite some time, and unfortunately she's unable to be here tonight. She speaks really eloquently about the program, so I'm only hoping that I'll be able to fill her very stylish shoes. For those of you who don't know, Penn Center USA is a branch of Penn International, the world's leading international literary and human rights organization. Penn's mission is to stimulate and maintain interest in the written word, to foster a vital literary culture, which is kind of what we're doing here tonight, and to defend freedom of expression both domestically and internationally. Your pen, pen is a membership organization. Your pen membership gives us a greater voice to defend and promote freedom of expression throughout the world by advocating for the release of imprisoned writers. So if you are already a member, thank you. And if you're not and you're able to do so, please consider joining. So let's get to why we're here. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> The Emerging Voices Fellowship is a literary mentorship that aims to provide new writers who are isolated from the literary establishment with the tools, skills, and knowledge they need to launch a professional writing career. The NEA has stated that Emerging Emerging Voices is the only fellowship of its kind in the United States. 131 individuals have completed the fellowship, soon to be 136. Emerging Voices alumni have published over 40 books, and can I just say... This is one of them. Yes. Natasha Dion, was that the 14th next week? Tuesday, Tuesday, yes. So everybody should be back here for that. Um, Now I lost my spot because I was going off script. We published over 40 books and have received hundreds of anthology inclusions, awards, honors, and fellowships. In short, this thing works. Our applicants are writers of fiction, creative nonfiction, and poetry who need not be published, but they must have clear ideas of what they hope to accomplish through their writing. So I want everybody to hold up this card that was on their seat, this You Are a Writer card. If you didn't get one, Renisha's going to, you want to hold up your hand if you didn't get one, she can hand one out for you. Because what I want you to do is take a look at the back and the benefits that are listed here on the back. So I don't be talking all night long and boring you guys to death. Um, I'll let you take a look at those benefits, okay? If you didn't get one and you, and you can't get one, you can share with your neighbor and pick up one later. But if you're wondering why you want author evenings and master classes and mentors and all of the com- components we're going to talk about this evening, it's because those components lead to these benefits. So by the time you walk out as an Emerging Voices fellow, uh, you're going you're to walk out with this list of skills, okay? So can I, we don't have a lot of room, so maybe I won't make you guys stand up. So let's just have the 2016 EVs raise their hand and maybe turn around and we can all be like, hi, like church. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, so Marnie and Jen. Marnie and Jen are our nonfiction writers this year. Uh, Chelsea and Natalie are our fiction writers. And Wendy is our poet. Yes. Great. I wrote applause in brackets, so thank you for filling that out. So we're going to hear from the 2016 EVs, but first we have a selection of short, emphasis on the short essays from some past fellows and a veteran mentor. So you, if you RSVP'd for this evening, maybe you saw that Rain Gasper was going to be here. Um, you may have noticed that Rain Gasper is not here this evening. You may not. It's okay. You don't, it doesn't matter. Um, she's down with the flu. But one of the great things we're going to talk about here is community and how effectively the fellowship provides that to us. So with Rain not being able to be here, I was lucky enough to have a stand-in from my 2012 cohort, Sasha Howells. Yes. So 
2012 Emerging Voices Fellow Sasha Howells has been published in Gauntlet Magazine, the Mendes City Review, and the Coachella Review. He was a 2013 Ragdale Foundation Fellow and a 2014 National Endowment for the Arts Fellow at the Hambridge Center. Sasha is also the co-founder of WordCraft, a collective of writing consultants, teachers, and editors based in Los Angeles. And he has recently finished his first novel about once and future hair metal superstars, Juggernaut. Sasha. Um, Writers spend a lot of time alone in rooms with cold, blank screens. There's no other way to do what we do. But uh, especially when we're new to it, uh, that isolation can bring along a lot of doubts. Is what I want to say worth saying? Will the images and ideas in my head ever come out how I want them to on the page? Am I good enough? For me, the most important thing the fellowship did was to force me to take myself seriously as a writer, because that's what this program does. No matter what you've achieved, how much or how little you've published, being chosen as an Emerging Voice Fellow is a vote of confidence in the value and potential of your work. Someone believes in you. When I was selected, my writing teacher at the time said, you needed this. Writing had been a hobby for a long time and something I loved, but I hadn't been able to make the jump to thinking of it as a calling, much less a job. It's still not possible. Um, (laughs) But uh, the pen opened my eyes to all the things that writing is. Uh, An art, of course, a craft like carpentry that has to be practiced and worked at, a discipline, which I was only just coming to understand, and a business, which I was completely clueless about. It's the last thing we're thinking of when we're sitting at our keyboards, but of course we want our work to go out into the world, and figuring out how to approach agents and editors and publicists is its own dark art. Uh, The fellowship addresses every aspect of this odd thing we do in a way that will completely change how you look at the life's work of writing. Suddenly, you're forced to put writing first, to devote your time and mental energy to it, to give readings in front of dozens or even hundreds of people, to think about literature and engage with authors, to consider your own work's place in the long parade of those who've come before. The Emerging Voices Fellowship does many wonderful things. It introduces you to Los Angeles' wide and generous writing community. It pairs you with a mentor to work closely with you over months. It exposes you weekly to writers and poets who share their work and their ideas. It shows you how to give back to that literary community. But most importantly, it makes you take yourself seriously as a writer. So you should all apply. You need this. Thanks. Thanks, Sasha. Can I just say he wrote that like yesterday? And also I just found out he drives around with a music stand in his car in case he needs to give a reading. (laughs) Sasha Howells, everyone. All right. Menaz Sahibzada was a 2009 Penn Center USA Emerging Voices Fellow, and she holds an MA in Religious Studies from UC Santa Barbara. Her poetry chapbooks, which are available for sale this evening, Tongue Tied, A Memoir and Poems, and Summer Forgets to Wear a Petticoat, were published by Finishing Line Press. Her work has appeared in publications such as Asia Writes, The Rattling Wall, and Pedestal Magazine. Everyone welcome Menaz. Hi. So um, this is my first time reading off my cell, so please be patient. (laughs) Participating in the EV program is much like pursuing an MFA for nine months. You're exposed to a community of writers, participate in workshops, and find yourself continually inspired by the plethora of events the fellowship hosts. There's the private dimension of being a writer and the public dimension of being a writer. The Emerging Voices program helped me embrace the public dimension of the writer's life by supporting my work and my progress in a communal space. The element of the Emerging Voices fellowship that I found most impactful was meeting other writers. Through the fellowship, I got exposed to published authors, mentors, and emerging poets. I loved hearing people talk about their successes and struggles with writing, and I came to view my own writing in the context of a larger community of creative people. This was a relief because I realized that being an authentic writer means embracing your own writing style and your distinct voice. I learned that there's no one way to do the writing life and that it helps to have other people read your work and give you meaningful feedback. I also formed several poetic friendships and professional contacts that I continue to cherish. Years later, I'm still in touch with many of the people whom I met in the program. 
I view being awarded the EV Fellowship in 2009 as one of the most critical moments in my writing life. For years, I'd plugged away in solitude, taking the occasional online workshop to strengthen my work. Being awarded the EV Fellowship meant taking my work more seriously and working more closely with a mentor. The award also meant having access to workshops and readings I may not have otherwise been exposed to. Working with seasoned mentors, I learned how to edit a poem more thoughtfully, read in public more fluidly, and market my own work more professionally. Consequently, I was encouraged to think critically about my process as a writer. I also learned how to articulate my process more thoughtfully to others. After I completed the program, I felt I had a platform on which to build a public identity as a writer. I started a blog, created a website, and participated more frequently in public readings. I've also published two chapbooks with Finishing Line Press, Tongue Tied, A Memoir and Poems, 2012, and Summer Forgets to Wear a Petticoat, 2016. The first chapbook was an earlier draft of the manuscript I'd submitted to Penn. The second is a compilation of the writing I've done since the fellowship ended. Thanks. Thanks, Manaz. I love the idea of poetic friendships. Like we're all just very literary, forming poetic friendships. <laughs> Nonfiction writer Sylvia Sukop was a Penn Center USA Emerging Voices Fellow in 2009. Imagine that. All, both 2009ers. Her work has since been published in the anthologies Emerge from Lambda Literary Foundation and Latitudes and Angelino's Atlas from Heyday. Also, Strange Cargo from Penn Center USA. She is a 2016 fellow in New Ground, the Muslim Jewish Partnership for Change, and a longtime volunteer and writing coach for the Posse Foundation. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Sylvia is getting her MFA in creative writing this fall, so she's leaving this summer. Yay, we got her just before she left at Washington University in St. Louis. Let's go, Sylvia. I think you're going to hear a lot of similar themes here, but here goes. Um, I think I'm here to represent the emerging while older set. Um, I was blessed to be part of the 2009 Emerging Voices program, and seven years on, it remains the singularly most productive time in my writing life. It set many things in motion, like a warm welcome into the literary community that is so vital and diverse here in L.A., and gaining confidence in my own voice. The Evie Fellowship played a huge role in moving forward the manuscript I was working on, and beyond that, in developing not only my skills, but my identity as a writer. The whole experience lifted me to a new level. The fellows are each assigned individual mentors, and through, uh, though my mentor and I had very different personalities and writing styles, she ended up being a great match for me. With a tough love attitude, she read and critiqued my manuscript a few chapters at a time. While she expressed admiration for my writing, she never let me slide, but continually challenged me to go further, to dig deeper, to not shy away from the parts of the story that didn't come easy to me. I felt truly seen by her, warts and all, which is exactly how she allows herself to be seen in her own writing. She was funny and open and down to earth, but no nonsense when it came to the writing itself. I learned from her to be tougher on myself, a lesson that has served me all these years since. Our Penn EV Masterclass was led by one of the smartest and most empathetic writing teachers I've ever had. She ran a well-structured workshop that gave us great tools, exercises, information, and insight. Her feedback, especially in writing, was so generous and in-depth in a way that I had never experienced before. We were able to take free classes at UCLA Extension, connecting with yet another group of instructors who helped sharpen our craft. Nearly every week, we had these incredibly intimate evenings with authors whose books we read in advance. Uh, Sometimes they welcomed us into their homes and shared valuable nuggets of wisdom from their own hard-earned experience. We were given platforms to share our work in public, from our reading at Hotel Cafe, a hip music venue in Hollywood, to our more formal final reading later at the Hammer Museum in Westwood. That final reading, accompanied by a gorgeous commemorative program book and an elegant reception, provided outside affirmation for our work and a sense of ceremony for the completion of the program. We had opportunities to give back by volunteering in the community. In my case, five of us, a mix of poets and fiction and nonfiction writers, collaborated to create a two-weekend workshop for teens at 826 LA. And we were invited to publish our work in the Penn Anthology 
that Amanda mentioned called Strange Cargo. Uh, since completing the EV program, I was selected through an open call for submissions to be included in that anthology also mentioned called uh, Latitudes and Angelino's Atlas that reveals hidden histories of L.A. through personal essay. Um, I've also participated in the Lambda Literary Fellowship for LGBT Writers, uh, did a residency at Mesa Refuge in Northern California, and this fall I'll be starting the MFA program at Washington University in St. Louis. So... <laughs> apply to the program. And if you, if you become an Emerging Voices Fellow, fully commit and trust the process. You will be simultaneously nurtured and challenged. You will grow in ways you never imagined, and new doors will open up, and I promise you will never regret it. Thank you. Great, thank you, Sylvia. I'm gonna I'm gonna play off something that you mentioned, um, the Latitudes publication. We also offer uh, craft sessions, generative craft sessions. It's part of the Emerging Voices program, and Sylvia was actually tapped to um, instruct a craft session this summer. And unfortunately, because she's leaving for school, she wasn't able to. But as writers, um, whether you apply or don't apply, get in. We still do. Penn does offer these craft sessions, so it might be something that you'd be interested in taking a look at. Usually, they're one day, four hours. Hours. On the 26th, we've got um, women who submit coming. So if you've got work that's ready to go out and you just don't know what to do with it, that's an option for you. That's, that's just like, I thought I'd just throw the commercials in <laughs> to break it up. Does that work? Yeah, okay. Perfect. Well, so that brings us to our mentor and author evening veteran, Victoria Chang. Victoria writes poetry and children's books. Her, la her latest poetry book is The Boss, which won a Penn Center USA Literary Award and a California Book Award. And her picture book is Mommy. Was <laughs> 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 a New York Times notable book, Victoria. I thought you were going to keep going for a while. So. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming. I think it's great that everyone's here, and um, I assume everyone's here because they're interested in possibly applying, right? Yes? Okay, that's good. So I would encourage you to apply, and if you don't get it, apply again and just keep trying. Um, so... Um, so I just thanked everyone. I'm reading this. I'll thank everyone again. Um, and again, you'll hear some of the common themes. I think we all talk about some certain things. Um, but thanks so much to Penn Center USA for inviting me to speak tonight and for the opportunity to be an Emerging Voices mentor. I think it was last year or the year before where I had the pleasure of working with poet Nancy Lene Wu. Um, so the poet and essayist Mary Roofley in her book, Madness, Rack, and Honey, which is an amazing book, you should read that, wrote, quote, I'm lucky enough to occasionally be able to do something I love, write poems, and unlucky enough that what I love confuses and overwhelms me, unquote. This pretty much describes how I feel about my own writing life. Writing brings me such joy, but every single letter, word, phrase, sentence, line, question mark, and M dash can be hard, and the publishing aspect of writing even harder. Because writing and publishing are not easy for me, my writing community has always been important. I think about what others and I write, and I talk to fellow writers about all things writing and more. What I love about Penn Center USA's Emerging Voices Fellowship is that it's community-based. The fellows can develop close friendships with each other, which I witnessed this year for sure, um, and it, uh, work with a mentor I did that. I meet with authors, um, editors, agents, and so many others in the literary community. The wonderful thing about being an EV fellow is that your people, your community, are all around you all the time for seven months and hopefully beyond. And if you have a breakthrough moment in your writing, are stuck, read something that moves you, read something you hate, are feeling down, or all of the above, your community is there to receive you. In the seven months that I worked with Nancy, we were very organic yet structured 
We met several times and we talked about her goals, her experiences being a fellow, and she was very overwhelmed through the seven months. So it was, you know, it was just trying to integrate it into her life, and and so that we talked about that a lot. Her writing life, her challenges, and her work. We also discussed poems and manuscripts via email. We worked in person. Sometimes I worked on specific poems and literally kind of did word track and edit and said, you know, what do you think of this and trimming or doing all this kind of stuff. And other times um, we worked on her whole manuscript. So we talked about MFA programs, about publishing books and chapbooks, and even about her families and backgrounds. Milos, the Polish poet, once wrote, quote, the purpose of poetry is to remind us how difficult it is to remain just one person, unquote. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that, but I, I like to take quotes and just, you know, change them for myself. I think he was, I think he was talking about how poetry can capture the many voices and emotions that reside in all of us. Even though the act of writing is solitary, the writing itself is a manifestation of all of our lives within our respective communities, and the Emerging Voices Fellowship is one of many communities a lucky writer can have in his or her hopefully long and fruitful writing life. Thank you. Thanks, Victoria. How many uh, of us applied more than once? There's three of us. So that, I'm glad you brought that up because you should do that. That's all I have to say. The end. Um, okay. We clapped. Thank you. So... The fact that a lot of the essays had a lot of common themes makes sense because we're going to talk about the components of the program. So we're going to touch on each of those things. I'll give you like a short um, summary. Uh, The the EVs, the current EVs, we'll talk about them. If you guys want to jump in at any time, if there's something you feel strongly about, please do. I'd like to kind of know who your master class instructors were and who your mentors were. Um, And then you guys can... And normally we wait until the end for like a QA, and a but if you have like a burning desire... I'm a part of some other programs. Um, please put your hand up and you can, um, you can ask your question because I know it can be difficult to remember at the end when it's like hits you. Okay? Cool. I'm going to deviate from the program. So we're going to start talking about mentorship because it's such a large part of the fellowship. This is a literary mentorship. As an emerging voice, you are matched with a published author at the beginning of the fellowship in January. You meet with that mentor in person three times and maintain monthly contact with them. During the course of the fellowship, you'll receive written feedback on your work from them and get reading recommendations. And you'll be in conversation with your mentor about your work for seven months. So I want to go, I was going to say, Victoria, you want to talk about mentorship? But you kind of just did, so it makes no sense. Um, But Marnie. Let's talk about. Let's talk to you about mentorship because you had a pretty. You have a pretty special relationship with your mentor. Hi. Um, so my uh, my mentor is Claire Bidwell Smith, and I had met her one time, um, and uh, after I had read her first book, Rules of Inheritance, and I thought I could only you know hope and wish to write a book like this. And I remember her asking me, what is my book about? And I sort of you know, fumbled through a pseudo log line about what I was writing about at the time and thought, oh my gosh, she'll never want to talk to me again. So um, when I applied to, um, to the uh, fellowship, I listed her book um, as one of the most influential books that I have read. And uh, let's see, and... Um, through some sort of cosmic powers, pen powers, um, I was paired with Claire as my mentor. How has that relationship played out? How has it affected your work? Well, I'm work. I'm currently working on my second draft, and I had. I, I was uh, approaching it in a very different way. So she's taught me how to um, break up the second second draft. Um, we both. I mean, I think um, you know sort of the reverse of what Victoria was talking about. Claire and I have talked about family and you know personal history first and then the writing process since we have similar backgrounds and write about similar things. So, um, so we talked about how to approach the second draft in terms of um, um, from a personal perspective and then and then writing. She was the first person to read my first draft. I didn't know that you could actually send something that was that 
awfully, you know, um, you know, grammar and spelling errors. And I said, I need to clean this up before I send this to you. And she said, Oh, honey, you're my mentor. You know, you're my mentee, and um, and that's what you're supposed to do. So, yeah. I love that you like stared at me the whole time. And I'm like, Yes, that is what happened. Continue. All right, do you guys want to just tell who your mentor is or was? Uh, mine was Richard Lang, who uh, wrote a great story collection called Dead Boys, and he's written like, he writes like a book a year. It's yeah. really annoying. But he's great, and uh, he was a great mentor. My mentor was Erica Schickel, um, amazing local writer. And, uh, you know, she, like I said in my essay, she writes very differently from, from myself, but uh, she was a really great, you know, um, tough love mentor uh, and who really did, uh, I think, push me into new areas of my own work. She, one of her, she's a memoirist and I was working on memoir. Her book is called um, You're Not the Boss of Me. So, I think. Uh, my mentor was the poet Leslie Mansour, and she's a formal poet, and I'm a free verse poet, so initially I was like, what? Uh, but it was so helpful working with a formal poet. Um, it helped me just think more about meter and rhyme in my own writing, um, how I was doing line breaks, the number of syllables per line, and it's stuff that I've definitely gotten more into, and in the last couple of years I've actually started to write a few formal poems weirdly, so I'm so, so grateful that I worked with her. Weird, those weird formal poems. So um, I'd just like to point out that mentors are chosen after the fellow is chosen. I don't know if that's maybe obvious, but um, oftentimes they're writing something that's completely different than what the fellow's writing, but in some way the work is in conversation with each other. Okay? Um, you can ask me more about that after the evening's over. But I'd also like to come back to this table and point out Ben Ehrenreich was... Sasha and my fellow Johnny Alfie's mentor. So it's like we're talking literary community. It's, they're not even here, and we're surrounded by this literary community. So the next thing that we're going to talk about is um, are the author evenings. Traditionally, an author evening was a private event reserved just for the current emerging voices. They sat down with an author or an agent, a publisher, even an editor, and talked to them about the art, the craft, and the business of writing. We still do this a lot. For example, Monday night, we're going to, to Bernard Cooper's house to talk about his memoir, The Bill from My Father. And Wednesday, we're meeting with Chris Heiser from Unnamed Press and Julia Callahan from Rare Bird Lit at the Penn office to talk about publishing. And when we arrived to set up, Julia Callahan was here shopping. It's like you can't get away from these people. <laughs> so what happens is that from 7 to 9, we have a little nosh and we talk craft and the business of writing, as I said. The 2016 EVs have met or will meet a long list of professionals this way, writers like Douglas Kearney, Dinah Lenny, Wendy Ortiz, and Justin Torres. <laughs> We've also seen Janice Lee from Entropy Magazine, Connie Liu from The Offing, and we'll meet Dan Smetanka from Counterpoint Press, and we've seen agent Bonnie Nadell. Another ah moment, yes. <laughs> but this year we've added something new to the lineup. To celebrate the 20th anniversary of the fellowship, we've opened up a portion of the Author Evening series to the public, bringing writers like Richard Bausch, Alexander Chi, and Viet Tan Nguyen to Chevalier's books. This has allowed our program to have a greater impact on the local literary community and introduced us to some writers we might not have had a chance to meet in private. So I've got another short commercial break. <laughs> Here's our Emerging Voices author evening card, and we have a few of these left. So if that's something that you wanted to be involved in, we same thing. You, you grab the book, you read it, you listen to the writers in conversation with each other, and then you have an, op an opportunity to ask them questions. So June 20th, we have Angela Flournoy and Julia Fierro. July 11th, we have Lydia Yuknovich and Cynthia Bond, also a fellow like to point that out every time it happens. And then our last one is August 8th, Janine Capo-Cruset and Maria Amparo Escandone, who was a mentor. They're everywhere. We are everywhere. <laughs> All right. So let's talk to Natalie about meeting Justin Torres in author <laughs> evenings. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, well, Justin Torres, if you guys don't know him, he's beautiful and I'm in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't know how to explain this, I guess. Um, the way I explained it when I applied for the fellowship is that, you know, these author evenings are magical, especially... You know, if you don't, if you grow up maybe not knowing writers, you know, like imagine, um, you know, like growing up poor Latin with a single mom, and then you read these books when you're alone because that's what you do, and then you start to write later in life and you don't feel like maybe you could ever be part of this world. And then you have these author evenings where you get to sit beside or right in front of a writer that you love or that you idolize. And so meeting Justin Torres and reading his book and like, oh my gosh, I'd love to read or write a book that's first person plural like him and um, you know, reading about this book that's essentially very close to his own life and relating to it so much. Um, or being at a public reading and getting to run into Janet Fitch and meeting her for the first time and then telling her, like fangirl on her and telling her like I was reading your book I was reading White Oleander when I was 15 and my life was a mess and my parents had just divorced and I was sitting there reading your book and bawling and I'm there face to face and she touches me and talks to me (laughs) and calls me a writer (laughs) like those are the most that has been the most magical experience and one of the reasons um, this fellowship feels like it's changed my life in just the last few months Thank you. Yeah. She gets applause. So I'm going to bring it over to Jen, and I want you to talk about how, like, the whole David Foster Wallace thing, because I love it. Okay. So, um, yeah, I didn't didn't grow up with any books. Um, You know, my parents are they had very low expectations of me so like we didn't we just didn't have books at home I uh, learned how to read uh, through watching um, I Love Lucy with the closed captioning on and um, I only started to read about two years ago Um, I was going through um, a separation that was very very difficult on a personal level and um, you know my parents are you know we're Chinese immigrants we don't talk about our feelings we don't go to therapy or anything like that we just like don't talk about it and so I um, very randomly started reading David Foster Wallace and I read everything that he ever wrote uh, including Infinite Jest and all of the footnotes 300 something of them um, and just felt this weird connection um, like somebody finally, finally understands what the hell I'm going through um, when words could just kind of fail me with my parents and friends. Um, and so when I met Bonnie Nadell a few weeks ago, I found out that she was the agent who discovered David Foster Wallace, and I was just so gaga over her um, and totally just had no words to say, and I think that was that was such a special, magical moment. And then we were debating about like whether or not David Foster Wallace um, drove a bus in in college because I had read that he did, and she's like, "No, he didn't." I'm like, "No, he totally did." Like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't know. <laughs> so, yes, that 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 was a magical moment for me. My favorite part of that story is like I didn't read, so I started with Infinite Jest. <laughs> Um, I'm going to hand this over to Victoria because Victoria has been a, ho- a host, an author evening host. So I want to know um, what's it like on the other side and being the host. Um, well, you sit at a table. Um, uh, you know, I think it's uh, yeah, it's very intimate, and I think that's what makes it really special. Is that um, you know you have. Access. I mean, when I think about me sitting on the other side of the table, I think, wow, how lucky, you know, and how, how fortunate I am to be on this side of the table, and, and how it would have been so cool if I had known about this when I was younger to be on the other side of the table. And so it's just, it's really casual. It's a conversation, and, um, you know, they will have read, you know, your book, and, uh, and then you, they just ask you questions, and they could be questions about anything. And um, what's neat about this program is that it forces the, the, the writers to, the fellows, to read across genres. And, um, and I think that, you know, being primarily a poet that, and biased, that, you know, I think poetry is very important to all forms of writing, all genres. And if you pay attention to sound, form, um, word choice, all those types of things, um, 
you know, if, if fiction writers and nonfiction writers are also reading poetry, I think it's a great thing, and and I think that just helps your writing. And so, you know, we just talk, and you know, sometimes they ask specific questions about the work, but a lot of times it's just wherever the conversation goes, and that's what it feels just very in, informal. Like if you know you're invited over to someone's house and they just happen to have read your book, and you just start chatting, and there's um, always cheese and <laughs> wine and lots of various things and you get to go to the office and so it's it's a it's a wonderful experience I think for for everyone on all sides and the list is huge like sorry I didn't scream but I saw I saw Nancy um, Wu's spreadsheet and I was I looked at it it was just like pages long with the people that they that they get to meet it's truly extraordinary I mean I would love to meet all these people so I think it, it would be it's just a great program and I think you're you don't even know what you're getting while you're like it's only after I think you can truly reflect on how amazing it is that you get to meet all these incredible people. Can I chime in on that? Thank you. Uh, something that was amazing for me about the author evenings is seeing how differently everybody approaches this work. There's no right way to be a writer. Everyone is winging it and has no clue what they're doing. And that gives you such freedom to figure it out for yourself. Like, there's no right way. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> no clue. Do you want um, I just want to share our experience um, with um, we visited David Francis's his, David Francis and um, he invited us to our home his home and our home that's what I'm thinking because that's it was very hard to I think get us to leave um, <laughs> um, and it was extremely informal and you know as as um, other people have said uh, it's um, you know we you don't know where the conversation is going to go. Um, we learned so much about the author, you know how um, you know what their writing process is. And in this you know specific instance with David, um, he was very open and generous, having us in his house, um, showing showing us around, and we got to see his um, his yes the attic, which is um, the office where he writes sometimes. But we also learned that he also writes um, in graveyards as well. Um, so um, I, I, you just you don't know where the the night is going to go, and you just you know leave with amazing pearls to wisdom. So thank you. One thing, just one thing. <laughs> one of the great things for me about the author evenings was realizing how insecure the, everybody is. <laughs> I thought it was just me, but it's everybody. Right? <laughs> right? Um, I just remember, too, that we had, we saw Justin Torres and we also saw um, Jay Ryan Stradell, um, Kitchens of the Great Midwest, and both of those writers had applied to the Emerging Voices program and didn't get it. So um, that was kind of cool because these guys were like, oh, we're so happy to meet you. And they were like, I'm happy to meet you. I didn't get this. So that was kind of cool. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the voice class. Many writers have never read their work in public or had any formal instruction on how to do so. And we've been working with Dave Thomas for years now. He's a professional voiceover artist. His resume boasts Gatorade, BMW, features for the NFL network. Can you guys believe that after that whole NFL speech he gave us? Um, video game characters and a recurring role on King of the Hill. You had to be there, people. Dave provides a one-day workshop in his home, and the fellows show up with their pieces for the second public reading, which is at the, the Hotel Cafe. And um, the workshop involves instruction on timing and vocal exercises. The day ends when the fellows step inside his recording booth to have their selection recorded. Dave gives his notes on improvement. You might go back in there a couple times, and he sends each fellow a copy of the final reading so that they can use it as a guide. Um, I wrote, I was there myself this year, and I can tell you it was an emotional event. Pretty sure everyone cried, right? Everyone cried? Yes. So Chelsea, as someone who has some experience with the stage, what was your impression of the voice class and the changes you heard from the first reading of the day to the last? Hello. Um, yes, it was a very emotional day. Um, the, we always talk about finding your voice as a writer, and I think 
the thing we don't think about when we're sitting alone in our rooms is like, oh, that could also mean when we're speaking into a microphone in front of a group of people. And we don't think that far ahead. We think, oh, we printed it. It's in a thing, and they'll read it, and I can go about my life. That's not really the case anymore. So the class was very unique in that, I mean, I Amanda said I have stage experience. I'm a playwright, and I've also acted a little bit. I've actually had plays at the Skylight Theater, which you should all go to, talking about community. Yes. <laughs> um, but the thing about acting is you get to be somebody else. The thing about writing and reading your own work is you can't hide, but it's you. And you have to find what that voice is for you. Um, so it was an emotional day, partly because Dave pushed us to um, reconnect to the emotional reality of where our writing came from, which is not always easy. Um, and it's not always easy to think about being that open and that vulnerable in front of everybody else. So we got this beautiful moment where we got to be really open and vulnerable in front of each other um, before we had to go do that in front of a whole group of strangers, um, which was really valuable. And to hear our own voices and to hear, and to just stop and slow down for a second and go word by word and figure out, like, what is it that I was saying here? Because sometimes you don't even know until someone else tells you what it's about, or and which Dave did that a little bit. Um, he also hates football. Don't bring it up around him. Um, so yeah, so at, I, I feel like I saw everyone, including myself at the second reading, feel like we were much more grounded and less freaked out and just more real when we read our stuff. And that's a huge thing. Anybody else want to talk? Any of our alumni want to talk about Dave? No? You all agree. You're all like, no. We're good. No more Dave talk. Okay. So the next thing that we're going to talk about are classes, because there are two classroom components to the fellowship. The first is offered through UCLA Extension Writers Program, where fellows have the opportunity to participate in two free courses that are offered or donated by the Writers Program, a one-day class, and a full 10 to 12-week genre-specific course. Having studied at UCLA myself, I know how great the instructors are, but also how expensive these classes can be. Um, I'm sure some of you are very familiar. Everyone's nodding their head, yes. Yes, lots of cash. The second classroom component is the master class, where the EVs have the opportunity to exchange feedback on their works in progress with each other. The master class is a multi-session, genre-specific workshop taught by a professional writer, and classes are held at the Penn office. This is often the first time, as I mentioned, the fellows are intimately exposed to each other's work. This year, Alex Espinoza instructed our fiction writers, and F. Douglas Brown taught the poetry workshop. So I'm going to go back to Natalie. Uh, what was it like meeting with Alex last month? Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, so getting to meet, it was the four prose writers that did this workshop together with Alex um, First of all, he's so talented, and so having someone so talented um, and accomplished reading your own writing is always great, too. And what was great is that, you know, we all interact with each other and socialize with each other, and we hear each other's readings at the public readings, but we don't actually get to sit with each other's work. And so that was probably my favorite part, and I got to learn a little more about even especially the non-fictioners I was like oh okay I just learned a bunch about you like four months into this thing um, so that's great is getting to engage with each other and get to know each other um, and help each other um, with the writing process also what was cool was um, we talked heavily about the publication process and what it was like for him and him talking about writing residencies and all these different components that come, you know, after things like after you write something, <laughs> you know. And so, um, yeah, so we get to learn a lot about more than just the craft, but we get to learn about the writing life from him, too. Thank you. Panel, do you want to um, talk about who your masterclass instructor was and if you want to say anything about them? Sure. Um, with Amanda, we had Ellen Slezak was her last name, right? Yeah, um, same here. Oh, yeah? yeah? She was great. She was, okay. It was some of the best feedback I've ever gotten. She wrote like an essay mm -hmm. and listed something I've never had a teacher do before, but if I ever teach, I will do it. Uh, at the end of every uh, critique that she wrote would be four or five different books that she thought informed yours work, and it was really eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. What he said. <laughs> 
I worked with Donna Hilbert, who lives on the beach in Long Beach. Um, and there were two other poets the year I did the Emerging Voices program. So the three of us would meet with her. And it was just really, again, that intimacy, like being um, talking with writers and looking closely at your work, but in such a small group was amazing. I'm glad that you brought that up, that there were three poets your year, because Wendy was our lone poet this year. She's like, meh. Um, but you did not suffer. So so talk about Doug Brown. So my... Um my calling workshop was with F. Douglas Brown, who is a Cave Canem, is that how you say it? Fellow. He's amazing. He was so gentle with all of us and hard and pushed us so far. He talked about a form that I had never heard of, which is Bop, which uses music. He he also um, started every evening with some prints. <laughs> He's a great, great fan of Prince, and I have to admit that I really don't know Prince. And so after he died, I got to know him a lot better. And and just to show us how you know how artists can t- talk to each other, whether they're music musicians or poets, nonfiction writers, right? Yeah. Fiction, poetry. <laughs> I just like to say too that Wendy had the chance to work with an, an EV alum, uh, Brandon Jordan Brown. It's like a favorite in the office, but it leads us kind of into um, community, which is going to be at the end. So wait for that. The fellows are given three public readings in a year. They have three opportunities to share their work. The first reading is the welcome party in January, which is at a different location every year. This year it was at Los Angeles Contemporary Exhibitions, or LACE, on Hollywood Boulevard. And the cool thing was is they had an installation, like a welcome installation, up on the wall, like by accident. (laughs) And it was like, wow, did you guys do this for us? And they were like, no, we don't do that. Um, So that was great. The next reading uh, has been, I think, for the last five years at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood through the Tongue and Groove reading series, following the voice class. And then the fellowship culminates with a public reading and reception in July, as Sylvia mentioned. This year, we're doing something special. It's 20 years of emerging voices. And the reading's going to be on Thursday, July 7th at the Central Library as part of the Allowed series. So we're super jazzed. Um, and if you're considering applying or if you haven't heard these guys read yet, you definitely want to come and check that out. It starts at 7.15. The doors open a little before 7. You can RSVP through Allowed's website. Um, for, any, for, for no other reason than you can kind of see what the competition is like. Like this is, this is the bar that's, that's set is is these ladies here in the front row. Um, Wendy, we're going to go back to you. Tell me about reading your poetry in public, because I know you hadn't done it before you were a fellow. I'm going to stand up, because it was all about standing up in public in front of writers, which I'm now doing, and I'm really nervous, even right now. But I can tell you, for the second time in six months, I can tell you these words. I am a poet. Which is what um, Penn Center and the Emerging Voices has helped me say, because I could never say that before. And to stand up in front of writers and strangers, because I had taken a lot of workshops, and I had read in front of classmates, and that's completely different than looking at people you don't know and reading your work and actually having people not just clap, because you know you have to clap, but afterwards, so you don't have to do this, they came up to me and they told me how much they liked it. And no one had ever done that before that I didn't know. Um, the other great thing about that first night, this is the first one, was um, <laughs> when I got up to, to read, the first verse I, voice I heard was, Wendy, talk louder. It was my 87-year-old mother. <laughs> I recommend if you haven't read in public to bring your mother there and have her do that because (laughs) it really calmed me down and it was great. Um, The second reading was at Hotel Cafe. This was after we'd had our voice lesson with Dave Um, and I'm so glad we had that because I got up on stage then. Well, first of all, in his lessons, I definitely cried a lot because it was the poetry I was reading was really personal and and he let me do that and he said, in fact, he said keep keep crying. He said he said I want you to feel that and I want you to feel it when you're reading and then my reading was completely different. 
Um, and then when we had to read, had when we got to read at the hotel cafe, it's really dark there. Yeah, <laughs> you cannot see anybody. Literally, I could not see one face. So I was basically standing in that booth when I was just staring into what's in a booth. I don't know, acoustic, <laughs> acoustic stuff, um, and. I just read, and I felt it, and I could. It was good that it was dark because I was really picturing what it, what these poems were about, and what had happened to me, and I was able to read. I hope with that emotion. And our last reading is in three weeks, and we're all terrified, right? But we're all so excited. We're all so excited to do it, and we're also really sad about it because it's our last one. And I, by the way, am the even older representative. So if you are old or older than me, <laughs> please apply. I thought I would never get this. They will never pick me. Thank you. <laughs> Wendy, all I have to say is she put dark spices in my soup. That's all I remember from that poem. Um <laughs> Okay, so that's great that you brought up this this I, the being the older representative because um, as I've mentioned, the fellowship was created for writers from underrepresented communities, people who were isolated from the greater literary establishment. That was that was the plan when it was created in 1996, and 20 years later, we're still looking for those writers. But underrepresented communities is an umbrella term we use that could cover just about anyone. Everyone in this room is possible, be it due to your age, ethnicity, gender, geographic location, so socioeconomic status. There are so many circumstances that can hold writers back. Many writers come to the fellowship without knowing any other writers. Um, some have never met one. So lack of community could be your reason for, for being underrepresented, underrepresented. I know for myself, I was a personal trainer with a degree in kinesiology. So we weren't talking about literature at my job unless it was like Muscle Magazine or Men's Health or something like that. Okay, so I don't really feel like that qualifies. Um, vital aspects of being an emerging voice are the relationships that develop within your cohort and beyond to include all of the alumni. Even though writing remains a solitary endeavor, after being an EV, you're never really alone again. And that sentence is so cheesy, I almost cut it out. But it's so true, right? As you can probably see. And... Um, I'm going to go to Sasha because as like the white like of a certain age man sitting up here on the panel, it's like, how do you lack literary access, you know? Subtle. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, really, there are lots of different ways to lack access. At the time I applied, I was uh, working nights and my daughter, who was four, and I had been the at-home caretaker first and she was six months, so I hadn't read a book in two years, didn't have pictures in it, uh, I hadn't written in years, and it was applying and getting into the program that changed all that and got me back to where I had been beforehand, but yeah, I'd lost it entirely. I was just knee-deep in diapers. So there's different ways to lack access. <laughs> That was a super gross image. <laughs> Knee deep in diapers. Jen, Jen, you talked. Thanks, Sasha. You talked about it a little bit. So, do you want to? Do you want to kind of go there again? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mentioned that my parents had very low expectations of me, and that's still true. Um, so, I went to LUSD, and you know, like writing just really wasn't something that. I, I was taught very much about. We read, you know, textbooks that were like a couple, like years behind, couple edition, many editions behind. Um, you know, reading wasn't really, you know, part of what I did. I, I kind of grew up uh, reading the closed captioning. I read, you know, advertisings from um, the local grocery store. Um, and so when I applied for this fellowship, um, because of you know the two years of just really intense reading, intense diving into the, the the art of literature and what it can do for a person. Um, I went into this knowing nothing about the literary community, but I had read that you know you need to start trying you have to start applying to something um so i knew nothing about publishing to know about you know presses to know about like agents or why you need marketing for writing knew nothing about that um and through the pen fellowship um was very very lucky to meet you know a community of writers my my cohort of fellows that i love so much um 
authors and uh, publishers and folks who work in the industry. And we got to go to conferences. Um, we went to the festival of books and really got out there and got to read in public. So definitely apply. What a wonderful opportunity uh, to have you know th th this thing here available to us. Thank you. Anybody else want to talk about? Yes. Sorry about all this. Yeah. No. Um. I just wanted to talk a little bit about, because you were talking about it in publishing and not knowing how this whole world works, and I'm not published, well, I, I'm published now. I was unpublished, I was unpublished when I applied, and I, you know, I didn't know how that whole thing worked and all that stuff, and, um, you know, for our first reading, I finished a story I had started a couple months before, and I finished it, and then I workshopped it in our free CLA extension class, which was awesome. Um, and then I submitted it for publication, and it just got published in a lit mag I like called Word Riot. And then I have another short story, which was the shorter story from the sample that I submitted for EV coming out in another literary journalist summer. And so I'm putting myself out there, and I'm submitting my writing for publication, and it's getting published. And, um, you know, it's like... EV kind of makes you feel like worthy of wanting to let people read your stuff. Um, so, anyways, and you learn about all this. You learn how to submit. Um, we talk to people who tell us all about this process and like even etiquette for submitting. There's like etiquette, like when, when a magazine picks it up, what you're supposed to do, and all this stuff that I had no idea that there's these rules for like going to a fancy restaurant or something. Um, you learn all that doing this and being around all these writers and professional writers too. So um, that's great. Awesome. I love how you just like summarized everything. So now I don't have to. Um, great. Thanks, Natalie. So the last thing that I'm just going to, just in the interest of time, because I know we could all talk about the program all day, but um, the last component is the volunteer project. So being part of a literary community means giving back. And it means giving back in so many ways. Like if you read a magazine where you think a friend of yours would be a good fit for, you pass that information on. If you see a contest coming up, if you see a residency, you know you're constantly um, sharing that information with each other. But it also means that... Um, you're expected to contribute to the literary life of others in some way that other people that might also lack access. And this, this year we partnered with 826LA, Reading Opens Minds, Pops the Club, and a place called Home. And we place fellows in after-school programs, classes, and book clubs in front of elementary school and high school students, and LGBT seniors even. So... Um, we, you know, that, that, that's the idea of paying it forward and giving back. Um, I think in closing, the, the last thing I would say is that if you are in doubt, um, apply. It's a $10 application fee. And as a writer, you're, that's your job. You're putting yourself out there. And it's good practice. You know, it's good practice to talk about yourself and talk about your writing. Uh, the short answers are basically your personal story. So you want to be as interesting and compelling in your writing sample and your short answer questions questions as possible. You want to grab grab our attention. Um, but that being said, I want to thank you all for coming out, and I want to know if there's questions. So, yes. What is the ratio of applications to acceptances? Why do you have to start with a question I'm not allowed to answer? It's <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the, the numbers are, are something that we don't disclose as an organization. I'm sorry. Apply. That's all I'm saying. Okay? Reapply. Exactly. I, I myself did not get in the first time. I reapplied. Did any of you ever do any readings at Roman? Some of you were familiar. Uh, I did. Hey, Sylvia and Victoria. <laughs> I did not. But I've been to a couple. So does that count? Yeah. Yeah. Peggy, what's up? Five. Yes. Five every year. Yep. Yep. Of course. Oh man, that would work for me because I'm a compulsive eater, but I don't know about everyone else. You cannot bribe us, unfortunately. Anybody else? Wendy, do you have a question about the fellowship? Okay. I'm afraid. I really want to apply again. Is it possible? I'm sorry. You've had your chance. I have a question regarding the um, 
letters of recommendation. Okay. I almost feel like it's a chicken and egg thing. Okay. You know, because I'm applying because I'm outside of the literary community, but I feel like I need a good recommendation from somebody from inside the literary community. Right. Can you talk to them? What you Absolutely. Think? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, a lot of times applicants have never met a writer. They don't how how do or have never taken a class. So how do you find someone who's who can speak to your writing when when you, that's never been your um, experience? So if that is a situation, find someone who's not like your mom. Sorry, Wendy's mom, um, who can speak to your ability to commit to and complete a long-term project because this is a seven-month commitment and it's really intense. Yes, guys. Yeah, so that's what you'd be looking for. Mm-hmm. How many of five work full time? Um, how many of five work full time? Well, Show of hands. Yeah, Natalie quit her job. <laughs> Natalie was in the fetal position in the corner and quit her job. Just kidding, it's not that bad. Full time? Panel? Sasha was raising a kid. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's doable. Yeah, most of most of the events are on the evenings or 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 in the evening during the week and then on the weekends. But it's definitely a challenge. Mm-hmm. I've written two letters for people. I think both people got in. Well, I don't remember the names. Get her name. You don't remember? Yeah, right. You, I don't know if you should say that in this front of this group. You're going to be accosted, Esther. Writing, but I mean, but I, I teach several groups, and I mean, I still need you desperately. So, but um, a lot of them are from the underserved, and they have voices. Yeah, they have more voices than people. They do have voices. Yes. So anyhow, I, and I was. Uh, okay. I was thrilled to write. Is there a question that I need to answer? Or are you just offering your services for recommendation letters? Yeah. Everybody see Esther if you need a letter. <laughs> she teaches. I'm applying, but I don't know who to ask, but I will. Perfect. Know, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, we're all it's we're everywhere. It's like an episode of the X Files. Yes. <laughs> what else we got? Um, do you prefer to see diversity in writing or like a clear point of view? Okay, um, in your writing sample? Yeah. So um, basically we're looking for unique voices. So you, your story is your story, whatever that story is. Like don't try to write something that's going to appeal to us. You, you submit your, your story, the thing that you are most proud of, that most represents you as a writer, and uh, speaks to your project because it is a seven-month program, and you're asked in the short answer question, you know, what's the project you're going to be working on? Give it a tentative title. Um, but it, that, that's not something that matters. Yeah. So, what is up with you guys? Okay. Okay, go. <laughs> if you're pitching a collection of essays or a book of short stories and you have 20 pages to submit, would it be better to submit one long story or a couple of short pieces? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. Uh, as long as it's coming from the, your, your work in progress, and it's what you're most what is what you're most proud of, what you think is best re- representative of your writing um, that has been copy edited, um, because uh, you're not going to not get the fellowship because you have some grammatical errors, but you're putting your it's like a job interview. You're putting your best foot forward. Okay. I'm I'm working on a memoir. Um, I'm also a social activist, blah blah. So it, it's a nice time or computers. Windows 10 destroyed my life, but um, but I but I'm on the memoir now. But I have a second draft of a novel, and I don't. I really my calling is to do my memoir. Okay. So I guess that's what you should admit. So submit. It's 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 that you have to choose one or the other. So. Yeah. I'm a memoir writer, so I'm like, bring it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that all of the current EVs are like quizzing me right now. <laughs> yes, Marnie? Okay. Do you want this? You're quiet. I just had two pieces of advice. Um, if you're planning, I hope everyone here who's considering applying will now apply. Um, and 
start early. There are multiple short answer um, essays that you do have to um, think about and then write. And um, and and then also, I know I was told that um, the the piece that you submit your your writing sample and your essay questions should have a similar voice. So just something to keep in mind. <laughs> just kidding. Um, what else do we have? Well, I have one more. I, I have two self published. Okay. That's okay, by the way, to everyone. You can have a self-published book. One of them is, I have a variety of voices. I mean, I have a voice of boy and pathos. I have a poetry voice. I have a deep spiritual voice. I have a voice that can talk about death in a different way. I, I, I pack. Okay. I'm a packer. Mm-hmm. So my voice is ranges. I'm not saying I'm terrific. I'm just saying this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So you said the memoir is speaking to you. I feel like that's the you go with that what you, what you want the most instruction on because you're going to get this really concentrated, almost like an MFA type program. And I'm sorry if I asked too many questions, but I love your questions. I'm like an <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a, we have time for a couple? We're actually coming in on time, which makes me super excited. Wondering if you want a work entirely, for example, if you're submitting a short story, let's say it's a 20 page short story, or maybe two shorter stories, can you also submit excerpts if it's a longer work but you want to submit that excerpt that doesn't fall within the 20 page range? What, or do you want to see that you can carry a story from start to finish? That's a good question. Um, so a lot of people are working uh, with longer works, so they might have a sample that's like 25 pages. Um, I think my suggestion would be to um, edit it down to 20 so that we have like a full full piece, so we have a beginning, middle, and end, so we can kind of see that you're capable of doing that. It's not necessary. You can end it if you feel like, okay, none of this can be cut out. That's fine. Just don't go over the 20 pages. And also, if you are writing short story, don't submit only five pages because you're being giving an opportunity to show us 20 pages of your work. And if it comes down to the wire and we're selecting between two people and we only have five pages of work from one person and 20 from someone else, we're going to go with that person that gave us the 20 pages because it's also showing a commitment to the work that they're able of generating that kind of, that kind of work. Was that a hand? Yeah. yeah. So in poetry, if you're working on a particular manuscript but you have several going, yeah. should you pick the one or should you maybe take a couple of poems from each one to show the range of your... In poetry, yeah. that's a little different. Totally, yeah. I would say pick your strongest poems. Um, whatever collection they're coming from. Pick your strongest poems. Pick what's representative, most representative of your work and go with that. Mm-hmm. Couple more? No. Does that mean we're done? Thank you, everyone, for coming out. Thank you to our amazing panel, Sasha, for stepping in at the last minute. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.